Good morning, Lifehouse. You guys doing good? Ah, you still caught on. Great job. I'm going to bring Tyler up with me real quick. I just wanted to take a moment to say uh, it's so great to be here. So glad to get the opportunity um, to share with you guys a little bit of what Kyle is, what we do, and who we are, and all of the above. Um, we uh, have a few of our students here today. Can I get a whoop whoop? That was weak. Try again. Whoop whoop. Oh, that was... That was not a student, actually. <laughs> that was something else. Um, our students have different churches that they attend all over the city and uh, all of the above, but some of them specifically came just to be with us today. Some of them already attend here, which is awesome. And I uh, just want to say thank you guys so much for making us feel at home, making us feel welcome, and we love being part of here, uh, part of LifeHouse. This is our home um, definitely we don't get to be here nearly as much as what we would like to be here. <laughs> um, but it's because, uh, honestly, we're pastoring another church. Like, that's what really Kyle gets to be. Um, so it's really awesome. Uh, I'm going to hand it over to Tyler. He's going to um, start bringing some people up just to get to share what God's done in their life with you guys. So you guys excited? Okay, good. You guys feeling good? <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Me too. Super excited uh, to be with you guys and to share a little bit and, and uh, just stories of what God's been doing over the course of, uh, this is year six for Brooke and I at the University of Tennessee, and it uh, seems like it's gone by super quickly. Uh, but I want to just share a few stories, some that you'll hear today. Um, these stories, stories, the inception of them really was six years ago in our very first small groups or even as you hear Emily share later, it was the inception of that was seven or eight years ago now in Brooks' very first small group at Arkansas State University. And so these stories span really the, the years of our ministry um, as missionaries with Chi Alpha. And our stories have power, yeah? yeah? Like as we can hear what God has done in one another's lives, then we can realize, hey, God can also do that for me. The faithfulness that he, that he had for this person in this situation and circumstance, you may find yourself in today. And uh, so we want to share our stories or some of our stories with you guys uh, today for, for really two purposes. One, in, in which to say thanks because of your investment, because of your faithfulness in giving, these students' lives were changed and transformed. And so you guys have, have financially supported us as missionaries for many years now, and many of you individually do uh, as well support us or, or people on our team. And so the things that you'll hear today are our thank you. It's their thank you to say thank you for sending us to the University of Tennessee to see university students' lives changed and through their lives to see the world changed. And secondly, to say it is likely that many of you are going through or dealing with or in a situation that's very similar to what our students and some of our staff that will share today are were going through. And they saw God be faithful to them in these things. And so we don't want you just to hear stories and say, hey, that was really cool. But for you to hear stories today and say, look, this is, maybe God can do that for me as well. And you would trust that God, that what he's speaking through these guys isn't just a story of what he did once, but a story of a thing that he's still wanting to do uh, in your life today. And so uh, grateful for the opportunity. There's going to be about eight of us that share today. Some will just have a few minutes. The last two will have about five minutes to share uh, some of their story. And I'm uh, really looking forward, really, really looking forward to you guys hearing it. We're, we're proud, you know? You guys ever felt proud in a good way of just kids or people that you're close to, family? Like, we are proud of these guys and what God's done in their lives. And 
Uh, I know that you will be too after you hear it. So first, uh, can I have just Emily and Jared? I'm going to have you guys come in pairs. So Emily and Jared, if you guys could come, that'd be great. Give it up for Emily and Jared. This is Emily. This is Jared. <laughs> you can share. Okay. Tyler's always joking. Um, my name's Emily. Uh, I am on staff with CAIAFA. This is my third year uh, here at the University of Tennessee. Um, and it's been amazing. So I grew up knowing who Jesus was. Um, but my idea of him was some guy who came and died for me. And now I don't have to go to hell. And he wants me to do good things. Um, that was my idea. And so I went into college wanting anything but to figure out why that happened. Um, I wanted to have a degree to get a good job so I can have security in my life and provide for the people around me. Um, but I went into college and I was super lonely. I didn't know anyone there um, and really felt uh, just alone. Um, and through circumstances, I met Brooke and she really fought for me. She invited me to this thing called D Group and I was like, don't know about it, but it was at this cool coffee shop, and I was like, have nothing else to do. Um, so I go, and I wish I could say that in that moment it changed my life, but I left, and I was like, that was weird. I don't know if I'm ever going to go back. Um, definitely, it was just weird, um, but Brooke really fought for me. She um, met up with me the next week and was just asking me things about myself. She wanted to know what kind of food I liked, and about my family, and eventually she started asking me questions about what I believe about God. Who was he to me? And I couldn't answer the question. I didn't have an answer, um, and it really got me thinking that, like, that's probably something I should figure out. Um, and so she, um, yeah, just loved me really well, and so she presented the gospel to me in a way that didn't compromise it. She was super firm, and it's the first time that anyone had ever, like, um, communicated to me with such urgency. She communicated to me that, like, Jesus is someone that I'm worth getting to know um, and that he wants to know me as well. And she was like, I remember her distinctly saying, like, I don't want to waste our time, so I need you to make a decision if this is something that you want to figure out. And I was like, who are you? <laughs> I remember walking away and being like, I don't know if I'm going to go back. Um, but she, like, those words stuck in my head, and I was like, no one's ever been that urgent. And I was like, this girl really believes what she's saying, and I want to know why. Um, and so we started reading scripture together, and she started asking me questions. Um, she asked really great questions about, why did Jesus do this? And I was like, I don't know, tell me. Um, and she told me, and it completely changed my view of him. Um, made me see that I was created and that he like wants relationship with me so much that he came and he died for me and like has now opened this pathway for me to live a holy and sanctified life um, and completely changed everything. Um, so then once I finally made this decision that like this is the God that I want to be Lord of my life, um, I realized that there's so many students that are just like me on the college campus that don't know what they believe, and they've never been communicated the urgency of what it means to actually figure out who Jesus is. Um, and so now I get to live my life on the college campus, fighting for people who are just like me, and it's the best thing that I could have ever done with my life, and I'm very grateful for Chi Alpha and for Brooke, and to be here now fighting for these students. Yeah. 
Thanks, Emily. <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Jared Grace. Um, thanks, Braxton. I appreciate you. Um, I've been a part of Chi Alpha for five years. It took me five years to graduate, so. Uh, <laughs> um, me standing here today, uh, I am a testimony of God's patience and also Tyler's. Um, I, was, I was in Tyler's first D group. I was a part of his D group when it was like two or three guys. Um, and he has been incredibly patient with me um, and always believed in me. Um, I think the symbolism I like the most is that he saw what I could be, and so he put a crown above my head and poured into me to watch me grow into it. Um, and so now I'm actually serving as a give year, um, and I'm working full-time with Chi Alpha. And as I thought about what to share, uh, my testimony is really long, it's really complicated, and I'd love to tell you sometime, but I actually rather would share two things that I've been learning since I joined Chi Alpha. Um, and I do have some scripture and notes on my phone so I don't just ramble up here. Um, so the first thing is that bar knowing Jesus himself and loving him, falling more in love with him every single day, um, there's nothing as valuable and as fulfilling as making him known to other people, as other people experiencing the goodness of our Jesus. Um, and so uh, if you find yourself wanting the next step in your level of intimacy with Jesus, your zeal for him, uh, it's through obedience. Read the word, listen to what it says, meditate on it, memorize it, and cherish it in your heart, and then do it. Share the word, encourage others in truth, ask the Spirit to guide you, and he will speak to you. Uh, he may be waiting to speak to you more until he knows that it's going to fall on obedient ears and on fear-filled hearts. Um, that's something big that I've learned in my time with Kyle is that as I was faithful with little, God endowed more to me. He spoke more to me, um, not just through people, but like that gentle whisper. Um, and then secondly, is that I believe that many Christians, such as myself, um, have been or maybe even are still caught in these cycles of sin and plateaus of zeal and boldness, and they want breakthrough, but it doesn't seem like it's coming. And so to that, I want to say that I've found that it's through drawing closer to the Lord alongside one another in community, um, in like-minded believers, that will bring the victory that you need in this department. Um, encouragement, accountability, companionship is what you need. First John chapter 4 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Now, did you hear that? John argues that God's love cannot be known to us fully until we truly love each other as Jesus loved us. So therefore, if you're wondering where your freedom is coming from, if you're wondering where your deeper intimacy with the Lord is, where your further step into his goodness lies, it's in the people sitting to your left, to your right. It's in each other. So, Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, we're going to now just have uh, Abby and Brandon come. If you guys give it up for Abby and Brandon. This one with the backwards hat is Brandon. And this is Abby. Brandon, you can go first if you would. That'd be ladies first, but all right. But yeah, as Tyler mentioned, my name is Brandon, and uh, I'm a senior in senior in college right now. I joined Chi Alpha like two years ago, and which is really weird to say because it hasn't it hasn't felt that long at all. And uh, for one, I really just felt more led to share up here just what I've learned through Chi Alpha, and learned just in my own walk that they've encouraged me to do. And it was more just like 
more just involving just who I was and just like so growing up I really felt like just a perfectionist like I had to be like everything was the result everything was like it had to be the best or I couldn't even present it at all and so when so I brought that into my relationship with the Lord like I had to be perfect I had to you know if I'm struggling with something I came to bring that because I have to be perfect and that is a complete lie by the by the enemy like that's just a lie and so one scripture that I've been like really thinking about is um is in Hebrews um it's Hebrews 2 17 through 18 where it like before the before this specific part um it's talking about how why Jesus was made fully human and so it's it reads um for this reason he had to be made like them fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. And so to me, it's, I don't need, I, I can ask for help. I can ask just like, not, like, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to just put on a show of just like everything's okay whenever like it's not. And so like, and also with like Rome, like, Another passage, it, well, basically this entirety of Romans 6, where it's just, you know, not being a slave to sin and just being a slave, to, like a willing slave to God, it means you don't have to run from God whenever you do sin. And so, like, because being a slave to sin means you want to hide from God, which is exactly wrong. And something that I've been telling myself, like, thinking to myself, it's like, imagine if, like, Adam, Adam and Eve, like, this is just a way that I like to interpret my my, uh, I guess, devotion behind that is imagine if Adam and Eve, right after they sin, or, you know, the serpent's talking to them, like, imagine they just run straight to Jesus instead of just hiding, you know? Like, imagine how different that would be. Imagine what would play out differently. And so, sadly, it didn't happen that way, even though we all kind of wish it would. But, um, but it's just showing that you don't have to hide. You don't have to hide from the people around you, too. I've learned that a lot, especially through, like, Kyle, Kyle is the one that brought me in, and uh, just everybody else has just been so welcoming. It's just so like, hey, like, what is actually going on? And so it just taught me I just don't have to be perfect. And so, yeah. Hey, I'm Abby. I'm a senior at UT, and I've been part of Chi Alpha for three years, so this is my fourth year now. And I'm just going to be sharing what my faith journey has been like prior to Chi Alpha and now being a part of it for a few years. So I grew up in church, as a lot of people did, but I really lacked that intimate relationship with Jesus. And he would constantly be trying to pull me to him. I would go through these times of, like, specifically my senior year of high school, where I would sit down and be like, okay, Abby, like, we're going to read the Bible for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, and really just, like, be praying to God throughout the day. And then it failed. And I was constantly on that cyclical journey. And then I went to college, and I was leading that, you know, ex that expected college life, if y'all know what I'm saying. And, um, yeah, and then I joined this organization called Chi Alpha, and I went on their fall retreat. And at that time, Tyler led a breakout session on forgiveness. And it was during that that the Lord really shared with me that the reason I had these failed trials of being in a relationship with him was because I wasn't forgiving myself for sins that he had long forgiven me for. 
and that I hadn't been forgiving those around me. And obviously, if we're not forgiving those, we're not living like Jesus, and it's going to keep failing. And um, it was that day that I was like, okay, God, it's all yours. Like, my life, my thoughts, my faith, everything, it's yours. And since then, it's no longer that I'm like, God, am I saved? God, what are these truths about you? It's, God, I know what is true, and it's now God, being in a sinful world, how are we going to be lights in these situations? How do you feel about these specific topics? And it's like, God, now, like, with the skills that you have possessed me with, with the path that you have paved for me, how do you want me to better expand your kingdom? And that's definitely because, like, I had, Chi Alpha, I had a community that kept pushing me forward and kept making me see these truths that I couldn't see by myself. Because, you know, we all interpret, like, we all see the Bible through the different lenses that God has provided us. And we can get an even fuller picture of it by being with people who see it differently. So, yeah. Thank you, guys. It's a really great job. Love you. Uh, We're going to have Leah and Micah come now. Get up for Leah and Micah. Hasn't it been good so far? You guys feel encouraged? Great. You want to go first? Sure. Hey, guys. My name's Leah. I am a fifth year at UT. Um, I joined Chi Alpha in my second year at school. Um, my best friend had been going there, like, we were both freshmen at the same time. And my best friend had been going there, and I was like, she seems to be, like, involved in this weird sorority thing. I don't really, I don't really care about it. <laughs> um, but then she invited me to a paint party that we had during welcome week, um, my second year, and I was like, okay, why not? And so I showed up, and it was, it was really cool. It was super fun, and I met a lot of girls there. Um, but I came into Chi Alpha at that time in a really weird place in my faith because I'd grown up in church. I'd grown up with my parents who were really strong believers. Um, but I was at a point in my life where, like, there had just been a lot of things that happened in my senior year of high school that um, caused me to, like, really doubt God, and I was really angry at him, and I had, like, a lot of depression and anxiety that I was dealing with, and so, um, I just came really sad. I was, like, really, really mad at God, and I was a person who, I was so independent that I felt like I didn't need anyone to help me with any of those things. I was just going to deal with it on my own, and, um, like, as long as I just, like, kept everything to myself, I wouldn't get hurt, or I wouldn't hurt anybody else, so I was just going to be myself, (laughs) you know, and I wasn't going to ask anybody for anything. Um, and so that's how I came into Chi Alpha, and then I met Ellie and Brooke and Tyler, and I was like, these people seem really cool, they seem like my family, I'm just going to stick around. Um, I went to Ellie's D group, and I like hung out there for a little while, I learned a lot about God, um, I learned a lot about like him wanting to have like a really personal relationship with me, and not just like some abstract concept, like God loves the world, but like God loves Leah, he loves me. Um, and so like through all those things, I realized that like I... I want to be like a part of this family, but I don't want to be vulnerable with them. I don't want to share anything about my life. I don't want them to know that I'm like super, super depressed and like super anxious about everything that I do. Um, but Ellie, like, I thought I was like hiding it very well, but Ellie, like, obviously knew what was going on. Um, and so one day I was um, sitting in a one on one with her, and she was like, Leah, I want you to share something in D group. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so, I thought about, like, what it would be. Like, I thought about, like, maybe I should share, like, a Bible verse or something. And then I showed up at D group that day, and the Lord, like, spoke to me and was like, no, you need to share, like, why you won't be vulnerable with these people. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, so 
uh, we were sharing about our lives. That's what we do in D group. We just like are super open with each other. So I, um, I was like, okay, guys. Ellie asked me to share something, and I, what I want to say is I don't want to tell you guys anything. <laughs> I don't want. <laughs> I don't want to tell you about my life. I don't want you to know anything about me. I don't want to really be friends with you. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> And like, and then I just started opening up like why I feel like that. I was like, I'm just, I'm really sad and I'm really anxious and I don't know what to do about it. Um, and it was a really cool moment for me. Like I, like after that I was like able to be more open and vulnerable with these girls. Um, and I want to say that that was like the moment that like my whole life changed and I was a completely different person. But that really wasn't it. Really, like, God slowly transformed my life over a period of time. And, like, I just kept looking back and being like, I don't recognize who I was before. <laughs> and then, like, I'd go a couple months and I'd be like, I don't recognize her anymore either. Um, and, like, over time, I just realized that, like, God, like, completely healed me of that depression. It wasn't in a moment, but it was over time. And, like, he's still doing that. And it wasn't in a moment that he healed me of anxiety. It was over time. And instead of, like, just shutting myself out from people, I would run to my new family. And instead of... Um, just feeling like super anxious all the time, I learned to trust in God, and I'm still learning to trust in God. Um, and I became a person who like wants to be around people <laughs> and like like realizes the like value of being around um, people who love you and who are like truly your family. Um, so once I started leading a D group, that was um, that was even more important in my life because I realized the value of like not only for me but for other people like they need someone to walk with them I need someone to walk with me through life I need someone to sharpen me I need someone to hold me accountable um, and I can't just do it by myself <laughs> so um, that's my story I, I came to Chi Alpha and I expected to like learn about like how to be a part of campus ministry how to like love Jesus but I, what I really learned is like how to be a part of the kingdom of God and like what it means to be um, like a member of the kingdom of God so that's my story. Thanks, Leah. Yeah, it's an incredible story. Uh, I'm Micah. Uh, I grew up in church, um, but I've been in Chi Alpha for about five years now, going on six. Um, was there as a student, but now I'm on staff with them, uh, and it's just really been an awesome journey. Uh, grew up in church, and I kind of had a good relationship with God, and, but he had like laid this on me of like really loving other cultures, loving people who didn't look like me, act like me, talk like me, anything like that. Um, and so I've kind of felt this call to overseas missions from like a young age. But honestly, I was like, that's never going to happen because there's no way that my family can provide the financial stuff for me to go overseas or anything like that. So finance was honestly like, I just looked at it as like, that's a really cool thing to dream about, but that's never going to happen. Um, but through being in Chi Alpha, uh, God just really taught me that it doesn't matter about my finances because I'm not the one that's providing for me. God's the one providing. And he continually proved that over and over again, that like the calling that he's placed on me, I don't provide for that. God provides for the calling that he places on people's life. Um, and so like he honestly proved that through, I went on, I've been on two trips to Africa now in the country of Zambia where like a few thousand dollars both times other people have been able to support me and God's just provided in really amazing ways and also going on different statewide mission trips um, to Alaska some here in Tennessee and stuff like that um, but also not just providing financially but providing physically um, and not just in me but like getting to see who God actually is in Zambia there was one time where I got to actually speak at a church in rural Zambia 
um, just in like a stick and mud church. And uh, afterwards, this little kid came up to me and just like asked for prayer. And obviously, I couldn't understand him, so there was an interpreter back and forth. And he was blind in one eye. Um, and he was just like, I believe that God can make me see. And so we just prayed, and there's nothing special about me, but there's everything special about God. And God showed up in that moment and completely healed this kid. Like, he literally opened his eye, and he started jumping around, like one of the biggest smiles I've ever seen on a kid's face in my life. And he was just so excited that God healed him. And so that was just a really cool opportunity that God was like, I'm not only going to provide for you financially, but I'm going to show you who I am and that I'm the one that's going to carry you in every aspect of this. Um, And he just really began to break my heart for discipling all nations. Uh, The Great Commission says to make disciples, and it tells us to go, to baptize, and to teach. And really just got to see the brokenness of the world through being in Chi Alpha. Um, Brokenness of people in Africa, but also in the Middle East, people all over the world that don't know Jesus. And so that all nations really stuck to me. And through being in Chi Alpha, Romans 15, 20, and 21 has really stuck out to me as something that's called out to me. Um, Paul said, but also I feel myself saying, my aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named, so I will not build on someone else's foundation. But it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. And that's the promise, that it's not about me going somewhere, but it's about God providing and working through me as I go, that the promise that people who have not heard will hear and will believe and will be saved. Um, And it's just been really awesome. And God kind of progressively showed me this call to overseas throughout time of whenever I was young, he said overseas at a Chi Alpha retreat, he specified it and he said unreached Muslim people groups, Uh, but that was still really broad. And eventually uh, he brought this very beautiful woman into my life um, named Ellie. Uh, So my wife back there, Ellie, is just like really awesome. And God had specifically told her Iran. Um, And so we're able to go to the Middle East, and we've actually recently accepted an opportunity to move overseas um, and to be uh, full-time missionaries overseas, which is really exciting. But it's not because of us. It's because of God. Um, Yeah. And then a quick really cool thing about Chi Alpha, and specifically Tyler, is he set up for me to have, like, the most awesome engagement ever um, to where I was able to propose in Zambia at Victoria Falls at one of the seven wonders of the world. And so I got to propose there with, there was a double rainbow behind us and like one of the most beautiful waterfalls in the world. So that was also really cool. But yeah, God's really awesome. Yeah, you guys, you guys should see the photos, man. It's ridiculous. It's, it's insane. So beautiful. Uh, we're going to have uh, Braxton and Ellie come. Give it up for Braxton and Ellie. I'm going to have Braxton go first. Thanks, man. Sweet. Uh, my name is Braxton. I serve as a give year at Chi Alpha. Uh, just what that means, if you're not familiar with the term, is giving a year to missions and then praying on a lifetime. Uh, so that's what I'm doing with the year right now. But I wasn't always a campus missionary, nor was I a believer. Uh, coming into college, I was agnostic. Uh, I was like, man, this Jesus guy, he's a good teacher, but I don't know about all this other stuff about him being God and all these other details. Um, And I lived a life that was very deep in sin. Uh, I experienced a lot of trauma in my life, and that led me to have this anxiety that was always about me. 
And I tried to self-medicate through drugs, alcohol, sexual immorality, to the point to where I was either high or drunk 24-7, uh, whether I was driving, taking an exam, uh, etc. Because I was trying to fill this hole that was in me that made me just so anxious for my life. And one night, I was calling a friend. Uh, this anxiety would make me hurl in the toilet uh, just from how deep it affected me. And I call a friend, and uh, she just tells me, man, I just think that you need Jesus. And then she prays over me, and phone call ends. I'm like, well, that was pretty dumb. Uh, but she seemed legit about what she believed, so there may be something to that. And so over the course of a couple months, she started to invite me to this Chi Alpha thing, and I joked around. I was like, I'm not going to your frat, you know, and... Eventually I did go, and Tyler preaches this story of how the Hebrew people were provided for by God in taking over the land of Canaan, and how just like God provides for them in that, he's able to provide for us for the things that we ourselves are not able to do of our own strength, but with the strength of God we can overcome. And so I was just praying. He's like, man, pray earnestly like God's like hearing you. And so for the first time ever, I prayed legitimately, and I was like, God, I hear that you can provide me this peace. Give me this peace I've been searching for my whole life. And I just hear a voice say back, I can give you this peace. You just got to take it. And I just felt, man, the anxiety was like mud on me. But that night I just felt a fire hose just wash it all off of me. And I just felt my life transformed. And I was like, what is this that this would happen? Who is this? And so I just kept going to this Chi Alpha thing and found out the character of God, how I was an enemy of God, a son of disobedience, according to Ephesians chapter 2. But even though I was an enemy of God, God sought to redeem me so he can have relationship with me. And I was amazed, and it didn't make any sense. I was like, man, who could be this good that they would seek to redeem their enemies and pay the price themselves? Yeah. As 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 says, he who knew no sin became sin. Man, so that I could be reconciled to him, that blew my mind. And so at the end of that semester, I was like, man, that is a God I want to serve. I want to follow that God, not because I want to escape hellfire, but because he is that good, and I want to have a relationship with him. And I was just blown away by him, and he started to help me with this thing of addiction to just so many things. And I was trying to white-knuckle it for a whole summer, and I started to become discipled by uh, Micah in the back. And I remember we were meeting up one day. He's like, Braxton, like, what's the opposite of sin? And I was like, bro, it's not sinning. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> but he's like, Braxton, the opposite of sin isn't not sinning. The opposite of sin is God. And so it taught me this truth that, man, if I want to escape my sin, it's not going to be through white-knuckle discipline. That's what happened under the old covenant before Jesus. But in the new covenant, the more time we spend with Jesus, according to John 15, if I abide in him, he will abide in me, and I will be transformed according to that. And so... Man, I just started to spend more time with God, really dig deep in his word and in prayer and discover more of his character. And I was just amazed by him. And as soon as I, you know, craved to have a drink or, man, craved that relief, man, God would take me aside and just be like, Braxton, why do you want to feed at the slop of pigs? Man, I have a seat for you at the kingdom. My drink is true drink. My food is true food. Man, I can give you living water that rises up to eternity. And I was just like blown away. And the Lord began to shape me. And I was loving being in the kingdom at this table. But man, I looked around and I saw the people that were still eating slop yeah. on our university. It just broke my heart. Yeah. And so God really just gave me a desire. Man, I've done this in your life. 
There's 30,000 students at the University of Tennessee. What about their lives? Who's going to tell them about Jesus? And so he just put this burden on my heart, the burden that's on God's heart. According to first, or Second Peter chapter 2, man, he is patient with all of us, desiring that we all should be saved. And so he just really put that burden on my heart, and now, you know, my life has changed, and I'm a campus missionary, and I'm signed on for this for two years, and after that, I'm either going to keep doing this or go overseas, but, man, I just really desire to have the heart of God that all should be saved, but somebody's got to go tell them about the great banquet, and we can't do that unless we leave and go sit at the table of sinners. So that's just how Chi Alpha transformed my life, and it's just all God. I did nothing but just say, yes, Lord, please take me along for this ride. Hello, um, I'm Ellie Odom. Micah's my husband. Um, and I also grew up in church, and I loved God, and I'm so grateful for that part of my childhood and teenage years. Um, but in my teenage years, I think it developed into a very selfish love of God, where I just wanted him to love me and fix me and take care of me and just always about me. And I was terrified to share about Jesus with others. I just was afraid that I wouldn't know what to say. I didn't know the Bible enough. Maybe I wasn't holy enough. <laughs> um, there was a lot of fear that honestly kept me from sharing about Jesus with others for many years. Um, when I got involved in Chi Alpha my sophomore year in college, I you know, started coming to events, being around students, and I started to hear students say things like this. <laughs> they would say, this is my third time reading the book of Matthew, and this is what God's teaching me this time. Or they would say things, let's tithe our time to the Lord and spend two and a half hours daily for the next two weeks so that we can see that we can spend time with God and still do good in school. Or they would say things like, let's fast for three days before our next retreat so that we can really be close to God as we go into this time of devotion. And so I was, whoa. <laughs> it was really new to me that students, young people, wanted to see God this way. And I realized that they had a fire. They had a love for God that I didn't have, and I wanted it. I wanted what they had. So the more that I spent time with them, the more that I took part in these things, like tithing my time, um, the more that we became friends, I realized that it was actually fun to seek the Lord this way. Um, but the more that my love for God started to grow, and I started to see that as, as a young person, there's so much more that I could be doing in my pursuit of God. Um, and as I started to fall more in love with the Lord, I, you know, was invited to go on a mission trip with Chi Alpha, and my first trip was a trip overseas, and early on the trip, they asked me to share my testimony, um, with the team, and I knew that that meant that I should be vulnerable in order to bring God glory, and so I confessed a sin that I was struggling with a lot, a sin that I didn't want to tell anyone, and it was really hard. Um, and when I confessed this sin, I realized that I felt so loved by God. I realized that the sin that was living inside of me was a wound that I kept trying to hide. I kept trying to pretend it wasn't there when I was trying to fix it. But once I spoke it out, I was finally letting God heal it. Um, and I felt his grace. I felt his love. I felt that his kindness led me to repentance, to want to be a better person. But also the team around me could now pray for me specifically. They knew who Ellie was fully. I didn't feel like I had to hide. I could be myself. 
um, and that love, that experience of being vulnerable led me to want to share with, about Jesus with everyone. I didn't know how to do it. I stumbled through what I was saying. Maybe I quoted just part of the scripture, not fully, but I was doing it. And I realized that it's better to share something than to not share anything at all. I also started to see that God would always impact people. No matter what I said, no matter how, like I, sh I shared his love, he was producing fruit. And so that made me want to do it more and more, and that grew in my heart. Um, and also, through this experience, I really understood what James 5, uh, 16 says, where it says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. And so one thing that I've learned in Chi Alpha is that our communities should be a spiritual hospital for all of us that have been here and for those that are coming in that door. Jesus said that not, he did not come for the healthy. He came for the sick, that he is a doctor. And so we should be creating an environment where confession is encouraged and welcomed, where we give each other grace, where we encourage each other, where we can pray specifically for everything that we're going through, um, and so that, and that we believe that healing is coming, that healing is going to come. And so that environment of openness, transparency, vulnerability is something that's beautiful, something that's changed my life, and I want every Christian community to know and value because that brings healing in the name of Jesus. And to bring it full circle, I started with being terrified of years of fear of not ever sharing about Jesus with anyone. And now I've been a missionary with Kalfa for five, five years. And as my husband shared, we are transitioning to go overseas and be missionaries. So now I love to share about Jesus. The Lord taught me little by little, even though I made mistakes, even though I didn't know what to say, the Lord teaches us little by little on how to do it, how to be more comfortable. And he produces fruit. Great job, guys. I think that uh, one thing that I recognize to be really cool from, from these stories, there's, a, there's several things. One is this is rep representation of about 5% of our community. So imagine if we could have all of those students come and share with you what God is doing in their lives and how he's speaking to them. And uh, also that like everyone who shared today goes to church here. And uh, I think that one thing that we have personally that, that even as they talk about vulnerability and openness is something that personally that I don't think we've done a great job at is intermingling who we are with who you guys are, you know? And like to know your stories and you to know our stories. Like today you're finding out our stories, but we've been here for far too long for today to be the day that you're finding out our stories. Does that make sense? And uh, I, I say that in a sense of not like it's your fault, but really I feel like it's my fault um, as a leader, you know? And uh, ours is a community. And so, like, I want to commit before our community um, as Kayafan, like, even before you guys, that we want to do such a better job at sharing our lives with you. And sometimes we get busy and we get caught up in the what do we have to do this afternoon or what thing do we have going on tonight or this week, and we're tired from the being on campus and everything for the last several days, but it's led us to be um, not as much family with you guys as we desire to be in our hearts. And so like, I just want to commit that before you guys, before these guys, that we want to do uh, better at that. 
Sometimes our, our stories have power and they have authority and they change things and they encourage one another and you guys have those stories that we need to hear. But the, the last thing is uh, that like at the, at the beginning of every one of these stories, like at the inception point of every story is a person. And so for, for Braxton, it's Jess and for Emily, it's Brooke and you know, uh, for Jared, it's me and, and for Leah, it was Jess. And the story, it could go on and on, right? At the, at the beginning of every story, at the, at the inception was a person who went out of their way to say, Jesus loves you, and I'm going to love you, and I'm going to build family, and I'm going to build community with you. And so I want to read a passage with you guys and just make one or two comments on it. But before that, I just wanted to ask this, is, is who is that person for you? Who discipled you, or who is discipling you? And I want to just say this from humility, but... But, but as it's so true that you never outgrow the need for a mentor in your life. You never, you never get so mature in Jesus that you don't need someone else speaking to your, into your life, challenging you, encouraging you, holding you accountable, calling you out on your stuff, saying, hey, there's this thing in your blind spot that you're not seeing, but I'm sitting in the passenger seat so I can see it. Let me tell you about it so you can, so you can fix that thing. You never outgrow the need for a mentor for someone to be discipling you. And as we travel, we travel a lot and we speak in churches and, and what we find is pastors don't have mentors and pastors' wives don't have mentors and deacons don't have mentors and, and the leaders in the church don't have mentors that are speaking into them individually on a weekly basis, that are reading the scriptures with them, that are discussing the scriptures with them, that are praying with them. And you need that in your life. But secondarily, you need to be being that for someone. And so... We, we desperately need to allow people to mentor us. There, I don't think that there's necessarily even a lack of, of mentors, but there's a lack of a desire or a heart or a feeling within us that we still need them. Like we feel like we've gotten to the point where we don't need that anymore, but you do. You need that in your life. Um, and then you need to be being that for someone as well. Um, and, and I think that within, within each Christian community, we'll see so much transformation if we'll just live our lives this way. If we'll allow just one person or a few people to have significant voice into our relationship with Jesus, then we will mature and then we will grow. And then if someone will let you do that for them, they will mature and they will grow. And we'll no longer be sitting by ourselves at church. Does that make sense? We'll no longer be sitting with just our families, but it'll be that neighbor that you started hanging out with and spending time with and investing in their life or that coworker, or, or whatever else. Like That person then becomes synonymous with you. Because you're spending so much time with them, that person that's mentoring you or that person that you're mentoring. And there's, there's a passage that I really love. I, want, I just want to read it really quick with you guys in Acts 8. If you want to turn there just to ensure that I am, in fact, reading from the Bible. It is uh, verse 26. Acts 8, 26. I'll give you just a second. This is what it says. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandiki, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man has gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. 
He says, do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news of Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. What a cool day. When they came up out of the water, it gets even cooler. (laughs) When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. He's just teleported, transported. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way, rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared in Azotus, which I think was like 30 miles away. Right, Braxton? I thought you looked it up before. And traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. And so I really love this story because it reveals uh, just some really cool truths, but I just want to mention one. Um, It's that I think like a lot of times that we get in our hearts and our minds that people who that, that there aren't any more people out there that want Jesus. That there aren't any more people out there that are, that are seeking after the truth. But what's cool in this story is that, that as Philip follows the Holy Spirit's leading, he ends out in the middle of this desert, right? And there's this uh, really prominent guy who's riding his chariot back home. And as he is, he's just reading through the book of Isaiah and he doesn't even understand it. He's reading it out loud. He can't even comprehend what he's reading. But he, you see that just before that, he came to worship at the temple. Like there's something in this guy that wants God, right? Like that really desires to know God, but he can't get there by himself. And so the spirit sends Philip out in the desert to interact with this guy. And, and as he hears him reading, Philip just asks him a simple question. Hey, bro, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy's like, this is such significant, so significant, I think, what he says is how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? And I think that there, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of people in your life and in our community in Oak Ridge and in Knoxville who they're sitting in that place. Like really the desire of their heart is to know truth. But they're just waiting on someone to come along and to show it to them and to reveal it to them and to speak it into their lives. And we are those people. And, and one thing that's significant to me in the passage is that Philip, it just follows the Spirit's leading. Right. Like the very first verse, the Holy Spirit tells him to go to the desert. He doesn't ask questions. He's not like, are you sure? Holy Spirit, you're, he just goes. He doesn't know what's going to happen out there. When Jesus went out to the desert, he had to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. He just went out there, and then the Holy Spirit leads him to this guy, and then he has this opportunity to speak truth in his life. But how much more should we be listening to Matthew 28, 19 19 through 20, the words of our Savior, go therefore into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I've taught you. And lo, I'll be with you always until the ends of the age. And so what I see within the story that's significant is this, is that God, through through the Son, God has already told us to go. 
He's already told us to make disciples, but I think we get in our minds sometimes that there's no one else who needs the Jesus that you needed. Like, didn't he transform your life? He was good enough for you. Why is he not good enough for mom or dad, you know, brother, sister, co-worker? Why do you assume that the Jesus that was good enough for you isn't good enough for them? But the reality is they're searching for the truth. They're just wondering in their heart, how will I ever find it unless someone helps me? And so I just want to pray this over us before I pass this off to Pastor Drew. God, would you give us your heart for the lost? Would you give us your heart for the broken? God, that it would go beyond intellect, a knowledge that there are those lost, but that it would break us. That every day that we would realize that there's nothing more significant to live for. But then it make you known here, there, and everywhere. And God, I know fully that the people in these seats that follow you, they want you to be made known. But so many times, fear keeps them from speaking out. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask, would you power us would you empower them because we certainly can't accomplish this task in our own strength Jesus we need you so desperately we need you So that we can see your kingdom come. And that we can see your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. God, I pray that we would search after the lost with the same intensity and the same intentionality that you did. You met in humility. You forsook your place at the right hand of the Father. And you took on human flesh. And you came and you were inconvenienced and you were uncomfortable, but you did it for me. And I pray that, God, we would live with that same intentionality, that same humility, forsaking ourselves for the lost and the broken around us. God, I pray that you would open our eyes in our day-to-day life to see who needs you. And that we would be bold enough just to say, would you like to get a cup of coffee? Maybe our families can meet up for dinner. Just give them boldness, Lord. Give us boldness, Jesus. Because the task you've given us is a big one, but it's a diff- and it's a difficult one. But you gave us the strength through your spirit to accomplish it. Help us every day to lean into that instead of leaning into ourselves. So lean into your strength, to lean into your empowerment. And we believe you, God, for it. In Jesus' name, amen.